All right, good morning. It's good to be back. Um, I heard Nathaniel did a great job last week, and I'm so grateful that he was here and able to do that. Um, and so we were on vacation. We went to the Catskills, and we got together with my, my good friend, Mike, who was here back in February, and so that was a great time. Hey, Joel, do you mind turning on the lights? That'd be great. And so this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of Proverbs. We're in week nine of 10, and so there's only a few weeks to go. And what we've really been looking at is the wisdom that we need to give to our choices. We've looked at all kinds of different areas in life. We've looked at our relationship with, our, with God. We've looked at our relationship with family, with friends. We've looked at sexuality and purity. We've looked at pride versus humility. We've looked at the blessings of righteousness. And this morning we come to a new topic. And the topic for this morning is the relationship that we have to money. Uh, and as in every single week, what we want to do is we look at our choices, how we do things. We want to uh, apply the wisdom that God has for us as it relates to our money. And here's how it goes. In any area of life that we are making choices with, there are three principles that we need to apply. We need to first be humble. We need to second pursue after God. And then we need to third submit to his will. And so this morning, we're going to look at money, and we're going to see that money is kind of a simple thing, but it's also a complicated thing. You know, it's, it's both simple and complicated, your relationship with money. And I think it's simple because it's a really simple thing, how to understand how to be good with it. Proverbs is going to talk to you about that and how to not, not handle it. But Proverbs is also going to say that there's a complex side as it pertains to our money. In fact, you'll see that there's a lot of verses this morning. Uh, it, it is often said that Jesus talked more about money than any other topic, and it could be said the same thing of the Proverbs. The Proverbs have so much to say about money. And the reason I think this is the case is because you and I are tempted to pursue after other things than God all the time, are we not? Our hearts, you know, like that old hymn, Come Thou Fount, says, our hearts are prone to wander, remember, and Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it, right? It's, a, it's as if this hymn is this, this kind of prayer, this begging after God, that he might, by the power of his spirit, uh, intercede on our behalf to, to give us new desires and to give us new wishes and to give us new wants. And so the question this morning that I kind of want to have you to have in the back of your mind is, what do you really pursue after? What are you really pursuing after? What is it in the back of your mind and in the back of your heart that you believe is going to make you happy and satisfied? For many, that is money. For many, that is money. And they pursue it as if it's an end in itself, and yet it is not. And so Solomon speaks, and he, he's collected this, this, he's written and both written and collected this group of sayings so that he might teach his son and his sons how to interact with money. It is often said that parents don't talk to their kids about two subjects, right? Money and sex. My dad was great talking to me about money. He talked to me about it all the time. And he talked to me about it in the terms of the simple aspect of money that we're going to look at this morning. But there is another aspect as it pertains to our money, and I am just so encouraged and so excited to talk to you about it this morning. And so that's the preview. That's the map of where we're going. We're going to look at how Proverbs tells us to interact with our money, and we're going to look at the complicated issue that surrounds how we use it. That's where we're headed. Let's start. First, it's simple. The way to wealth. 
My dad talked to me about these three things all the time. And the message of Proverbs is very simple and very clear. That if you are to be successful with your money, there are three things you must do with it. First, you must work hard. My dad talked to me about working hard all the time. In fact, this is something that really shaped his life. My dad's dad died when he was 12 years old. And the last words that my dad's dad told to my dad, you know, my grandpa that I never met was, he was a farmer and they believe he died of cancer from eating chicken necks, okay? This is the way it was. And on his deathbed, the last time my, my father ever talked to his father, he said to him, Kurt, that's my dad's name, and it's also my middle name, Kurt, it is a privilege to work hard. That was it. It is a privilege to work hard. Working hard is a part of doing well with money, isn't it? The Proverbs say this, those who work hard on their land will have abundant food, but those who chase after fantasies have no sense. If you want to be wealthy, if you want to have money, money is produced through work, right? My kids are always asking me for things, and I think it's hilarious how kids interact with money. You know, they want a video game system and says, they say, Dad, but it's only $400. You have $400. I know you do. I'm like, well, I know I do too, but I also know if I spend that $400 on that video game system, I may not eat. And as you can tell, I do plenty of that, yes? And so it's funny how we interact. And so I always try to teach my kids, Walton, Harrison Jackson, what produces money? Do you know? Does daddy go outside and pick it off a tree? No. Work produces money. That's how it works. You see that? Work produces money. That's how it works. All right. Number two, if you want to be successful with money, you have to save money. If you want to be successful with money, you have to save money. Remember what your grandma always told you, put a little aside on the rainy day. And sometimes those grandmas would just put it right under their bed and wouldn't do anything with it. Save money. Keep some, you know. Uh, There's a story I heard once uh, about this gal who had saved a lot of money. And she'd always, anytime something bad had happened in her life, Uh, she had always just freaked out, you know, like her car breaks down and she freaks out. So she got in this pattern of freaking out whenever something bad happened because she never had any money. And so finally she took some advice and she saved up $5,000. It's a whole lot of money, isn't it? It's a whole lot of money, especially for a person who's not used to saving money and who finally changed their ways after years of not saving money and saved up $5,000. Well, as luck would have it, after saving these $5,000, She uh, had her car break down, and it needed a $1,000 repair. And she was so used to becoming upset that she just flew off the handle. I've worked so hard. I've done so good. How could could God let this happen to me? I saved $5,000, and now my car breaks down. And so she went up to somebody who was kind of helping her with money, and she said, you told me to do this, and I did it, and now I'm so mad because I've got to fix my car, and it's $1,000. And he looked at her and said, why are you upset? Your repair is a thousand. You have five. Just get your car fixed. Yeah? Sometimes we get programmed to just fly off the handle, but if we want to be successful with money, we have to save some of it. You know? Every month we make some, every month we spend some. A very simple way Solomon would say is at the end of that month, hopefully you have saved more than you've spent, right? 
Save more than you spent. It's a very simple way of looking at it. And third, avoid debt. Proverbs has a very, uh, Solomon gives a very graphic image for this, for avoiding debt, doesn't he? He says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Avoid debt. Solomon, talking to his sons on a very simple, uh, a very simplistic way of understanding, which is a very true understanding, right? says to his sons, boys, I want you to have some money because you know what really isn't good in life when you have none and you have to pay things. So please listen to me. Develop a work ethic. Learn to save. That is, learn to spend less than you make. And learn to avoid going into debt. And Solomon says to his sons, if you do this, you'll be all right. And then Solomon not only does this, he not only tells us how we can succeed with our money on a very simple terms, he also tells us how we can avoid falling into the pathway of poverty. And they're really just the exact opposite. He says the pathway to poverty is very simple. The pathway of poverty is this. First, be lazy, which is symbolized by this uh, image of sleeping all the time. Sleeping all the time. And I didn't even use... This image of sleeping all the time in the book of Proverbs, I've given you one verse, has to be in there like 20 times. I should have counted them before I came. 20 times. And so Solomon says, if you want to have money, do not love sleep or you will grow poor. And I love this proverb because it's so silly. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. You know, I've thought about that before. Have you ever uh, worked with someone who... They're just never at work. You wonder how they keep their job, but they're just never at work. And you think to yourself, Solomon is kind of going the least. You know, he's not talking about what you do when you're in the chair at work. He's just saying right now, just be in the chair, right? We'll work on what you do when you're in the chair later. Right now, just be in the chair. Just get out of bed, go to work, and sit in the chair. And if you do that, you'll have plenty to eat. Yeah. Dave Ramsey, a guy that talks about money a lot, he often says, if you go to work on time, work the whole time you're there, and then go home when it's time, you're like in the top 98 percentile of the workforce. Yeah. (laughs) The pathway to poverty is laziness. And laziness throughout the Proverbs, you should go home and just read all 31. You'll see how often this sleep image is used throughout and and to great humor, you know. Do not sleep, get out of bed. This is actually, I, I often a dream, and I, I'm, I'm not lazy, I don't think. I, I don't sleep over much, although my kids might say, but when I retire, I could just, I'm like an excellent napper, just like incredible. I can nap, and I can go to bed at night, and there's no problem, and I can nap like two, three hours in the afternoon. I do it every Sunday, actually, after I do this. Go home, and I take a two, three-hour nap. I should wake up, yeah? Uh, <laughs> Solomon says, if you learn to love sleep over much, you're in trouble. He also says, second, that you should not pursue pleasure. Pursue pleasure. I've kind of put this over and against saving money because you know how they talk about in life that disposable income? It's the little extra you have. If you use all of your disposable income to pursue pleasure, 
That's a bad idea. And here's what the Proverbs say. Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Who loves, whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Pursuing pleasure, Solomon is not saying never. <coughs> He's not saying never pursue pleasure. He's saying those whose end, who look to their pursuit to satisfy their pleasure, will never be rich. Now, you could give me all the examples of people who are rich who do nothing but pursue pleasure, and they even have a term, right? Playboy, or, you know, this guy who just is always out there, just doing whatever he wants, but usually he's like a trust fund baby, you know what I mean? He didn't create a lot of wealth, he came into a lot of wealth. <clears throat> Pursuing pleasure as your final end will never be a good idea. <coughs> it's cold season, isn't it? And third, Solomon has the most graphic image for this. Uh, he says over and against avoiding debt, he says on top of avoiding debt, if you want to be, <coughs> if you want to avoid the pathway to poverty, he says, borrow and lend money. Don't borrow and lend money. Proverbs 22, 26, and 27 says, do not be one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. For if you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. In other words, what he's saying is, and this may seem a little harsh, he's saying don't loan people money. Don't especially loan people money or sign uh, to be the person who is responsible for the money that the other person is supposed to pay unless you can just give them that money. Does this make sense? Do not co-sign because especially if you cannot pay it. For if you co-sign for someone who cannot pay and you cannot pay, your sleep will not go very well. Your very bed will be snatched from under you. <coughs> Solomon gives us a simple way of understanding money, doesn't he? And my dad talked to him about these concepts with me a lot. He did a great job of it. Bill, work hard. Bill, save money. Bill, avoid debt. Don't be lazy. Although he was a great napper too, but he wasn't lazy. <laughs> he, don't be lazy, you know. Don't pursue pleasure as your final end. And third, don't, give, don't sign and loan money to people expecting them to pay back. This is a simple way to pursue after wealth. And it works, doesn't it? It works uh, because it is, uh, in some ways, mathematically assured. You know, eat less calories and move more and you will lose weight. That's just the way that works. Spend less than you make and you'll have some extra at the end of the month. And yet, as simple as money is, there is a complicated aspect to it. The book of Proverbs was written at a time when the majority of people thought that if you lived a good life, and you please God, you would be blessed. And the blessing they thought of was the blessing of riches. I didn't put it up on the screen, but you could even find in the Proverbs, it talks about please and honor God from your wealth and your, sto your, uh, your storehouses will never lack grain and your, um, your barrels will always be full of wine, right? 
This idea that if you honor God with your wealth, that God will honor you and he will give you wealth. For the Old Testament mindset, the ancient Near Eastern mindset that Solomon is writing into, people believed that if you lived correctly, you would be wealthy. And so he's teaching you how to interact and how to live correctly as it pertains to money. But even though he was writing to an audience that thought that way, Solomon is acknowledging in the book of Proverbs itself that money is more complicated. Our relationship to it is more complicated. And while my dad didn't talk to me about these concepts all that often, they are so critical for us to understand as it pertains to money and as it pertains to our spiritual life. And so I really want to delve into these and spend the majority of our time this morning on them. It is complicated, and here's why, and I've got three things I just want to impress on you. First, wealth is a good thing, but it is not an ultimate thing, isn't it? Wealth is a good thing. It is not a complicated thing. And I want to develop this on two sides, right? First off, there's some people that think money is an evil. It certainly is not an evil, you know? The people who are most obsessed with money oftentimes are those who have none, right? If you want to be freed from the power of money, it's a good idea to have a little bit of it so that you are not enslaved to people who want your money for the things that you need to live. Wealth is a good thing, but pursuing it as an ultimate thing is destined and assured and will predictably leave you feeling empty and uh, lied to. Does this make sense? Think about it with me for a second. What do you want money for? We are all looking for money, but what do we really want to use that money for? And I, I was just thinking of some things that I would love. We'd love to be able to pay for our kids to go to college, right, to make it possible. We would love to be able to buy our dream house or our dream vehicle, to buy our spouse that special something. You know, this, this Christmas season, they always have those Mercedes-Benz commercials, you know, where the... I always thought to myself, like, who gets a Mercedes for Christmas? It's a good Christmas present, you know. And to buy that special something, to tell that special someone that they are special, we would all love to have, some of us are thinking more on uh, just basic things. I would just love to have reliable transportation because every time I drive my car, it breaks down, and it'd be just nice if I turned the ignition, it would turn on, you know. Some of us are thinking, I would love to eat. I would love to be able to travel. There's all these kinds of things that we envision if we had money that we would be able to do. For some of us, it would be, we'd be able to give it away and we would feel like we'd done something good. But money itself uh, isn't a value in and of itself. It's what that money represents, what we think it can do for us. I was reading a book. uh, It's a big, long series. And in the series, there was this and it's kind of like a fantasy book. And they meet this special people in this book who, who, are, who are kind of primitive people and they're far away from all of civilization and nobody really ever goes out there because it's a long journey through nothing. And this, this civilization uh, has very primitive stuff. You know, they, they just live in huts and they don't have very much. But actually on their land, a little ways away from their village, is this huge vein of gold, you know? Here's these primitive people who live in this, in this primitive way, who are thoroughly satisfied, and yet they live on a vein of gold. They have more gold than they could ever do. They just have to mine it. They don't even have to work hard for it. And they, they don't value it because they don't understand it. 
And one day, uh, a gal in the story comes and visits them, and she discovers this gold, and she has their best interest of heart at heart, and she goes to those, these people and says, hide this, for if people found out you had this, they would flock here and destroy your ways, and they would take what you have, right? You see, money isn't valuable in and of itself. It's valuable for what we believe it can do for us. And yet, when we pursue money as the means to provide an ultimate thing to satisfy us in the ways that we feel unsatisfied, we will be left feeling predictably empty. The Proverbs talk about this relationship. uh, And even in the book that has such a simplistic understanding of money, it reminds us that money isn't so, compli- or isn't so simple, that it's complicated. For instance, the Proverbs tell us to work hard, but then they warn us against overworking. Notice in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4, it says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust in your own cleverness. And the thoughtful reader is thinking to themselves, wait a second, I thought you said that if I work hard, I'll be rich. And now you're telling me, don't wear yourself out. Why does he say this? Because getting rich is not an end in itself that will leave you feeling satisfied. The Proverbs tell us to save money, but it warns us against stinginess and greed. Notice in Proverbs 8, 28, 22, it says that the stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. And you think to yourself, wait a second, Solomon, I thought you just said (coughs) that the way to succeed with money is to save. And he, of course, is saying that, but he's saying, do not save it with the ends of being rich, because if you hold on to it so tightly, you will find that poverty awaits you. I think what he's saying here is it's a poverty financially, But I think there's also a poverty of uh, spirit, isn't there? I think of the most famous example of this in literature is uh, the story that we're about to see on TV a bunch of times. Maybe you are going to go up to Jiva and see it. The Christmas, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, right, with Scrooge holding on to everything he has, living in that big old house in that canopy bed. I always thought those canopy beds are cool. You have to have tall ceilings for those things, though. And there he is in his canopy bed with no one who wants to be around him holding on to his wealth in complete poverty of spirit, right? And so Proverbs warns us, don't be stingy for poverty awaits us. And it warns us not to be greedy. The greedy stir up conflict. They're in relational turmoil. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper because money is complicated. We work hard and if we work hard, we'll have some. But don't overwork, forgetting that money is not an end in itself. It is not an ultimate thing. And that if you overwork, you'll never have relationships with the people you care so much about that you're hoping to share from your work with. It warns us to save money, but to not be stingy, to have an open fist when it comes to our money, to share and to be generous and not to be greedy. For the stingy, will be in poverty, and the greedy will have no friends because they create relational chaos. And third, the Proverbs tell us (coughs) 
to avoid lending money, remember? To avoid co-signing. But it tells us and warns us not to be, uh, not to not lend it, not to help people. It warns us against lending, but it encourages us to be helping, to encourage us to help those who are in need. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, Solomon says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And in Proverbs 19, 17, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. You see, God talking through Solomon is not telling us that the poor are bad and the wealthy are good. He's telling us that if you have extra, to share it with those who do not. And when you do so, that it is as if you are helping the Lord himself. Because it's complicated. And Solomon is saying, not all who are wealthy are blessed, and not all who are poor are cursed. Do you kind of follow this logic? Not all who are wealthy are blessed, and not all who are poor are cursed. Solomon has a series of five little statements in the book of Proverbs that goes something like this. Better is it to be with less than to be with more. Better is it to be with less if, and better is it than to be with more if. And here's the statements. Better a little fear, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. You are better off to have integrity, to fear God and have a little, than to have plenty and not have any relationships, to have relational chaos, turmoil. Second, he says, better a small serving of vegetables, this one always cracks me up, than a fattened calf, or better a small serving of vegetables with love, with love in your heart, than a fattened calf with hatred, right? Third, better a little righteousness than much gain with injustice. Fourth, better a dry crust with peace and quiet. I love that. With peace and quiet, just a dry crust of bread, than a house full of feasting with strife. And fifth, better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. What is Solomon saying? He's saying that the pursuit of God, right? And that's what he means in these series of five statements. See it? The fear of the Lord, love, righteousness, a walk that is blameless, and peace. These five things are a part of our pursuit of God. Our pursuit of God, not wealth, is our ultimate goal. Do you see this? The pursuit of God, not wealth, is our ultimate goal. In fact, the pursuit of God and not anything else should be our ultimate goal. And just as we prayed, or I prayed earlier in this service, and that we all joined in on, we must be reminded often to not chase after lesser things that are destined to disappoint us. For as the... Old saying goes, right? All that glitters is not gold, right? All that glitters is not gold. Here, gold is just that thing which you think will satisfy you. 
And what I have found in my life, and I have found it in the lives of so many others, and, uh, is that our hearts are prone to wander and to pursue after that which will not satisfy us. And so this morning, as we look at wisdom in our choices, and as we look at wisdom in our choices specifically as it relates to money, we must be reminded that money is not our ultimate end. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who I always think of Ecclesiastes as kind of a, it's kind of like a, a sequel to Proverbs, if you will. Proverbs is telling us general principles on how it will work, and Ecclesiastes is telling us of the opposite. You know, it's telling us of all the examples when it doesn't. But in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says the most beautiful thing about work. And here's what he says. When God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil, in their work, this is a gift from God. And so what we pursue is not ultimately what we're looking for, is it? What we pursue ultimately is to find satisfaction. Every so often, even in my family life, I have to be reminded, you know, I'm prone to wander. And in my family, you know, just every so often, I have to remind myself to find beauty in the ordinary things of life. The things of life that if I did not have, I would be desperately seeking after them. A warm house a beautiful family who loves me. I am not a perfect dad, but every single day when I come home, every one of my boys runs to me and says, Daddy, 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 I'm so glad to see you. And acts as if, I mean, I come home every day. I promise I do. You would think they would just get used to it. Oh, there he is again, you know. (laughs) But every single day. Now, I've joked before, sometimes they're excited to see me because it means they can play on my phone, and that's not as great, but, but every single day, Daddy, 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 I'm so excited to see you. I'm going to tell you a little secret. I'm not even going to tell my kids. They probably aren't going to get that for Christmas, <laughs> but let's just string them along for now because sometimes the hope is awesome. So don't tell them they're not getting that. Maybe I'll give them a dry, crusty bread and say, here it is with love. Eat it. No. But uh, you see, and yet there are times, and I promise you there are. I can tell you of the beauty of coming home and having my kids wrap my arms around them. And sometimes I walk with my family and I think there's a whole adventure out there that I am missing. I do. I think that way. And I must remind myself, I must, that these are the things (laughs) that are so beautiful in life. Do you see what Solomon is saying? You can have all these blessings and your heart and your mind can wander to things that you do not have and you will not be able to see them. And so God is saying to you and saying to me, that there is something, and that something is hard to grasp at times, and that something is a 
a satisfaction to see what you have, your ability to work, to see your blessings. And you can have all those things and you cannot enjoy them. You cannot find satisfaction in them. But what does Ecclesiastes say? I'll let you respond. What does Ecclesiastes say makes it possible for us to enjoy him? What is it? It is a gift from God. This means you cannot produce it. What is a gift when we give it at Christmas, that PlayStation that I'm not giving my kids? My kids will do nothing to earn it. I'll just give it to them. I'll probably give them something else, some books, some underwear, and some socks. I hated that growing up, the underwear and socks. (laughs) It is a gift. And so if you find your heart wandering, slow down and ask God to give you that gift. Do you know that God likes when we do this? He appreciates it, I think. When we slow down and we recognize and we pray something like this, Dear God, (laughs) my heart is wandering and I am prone to desire that which I do not have. And when I see the good things you've given me and I am not satisfied, help me by doing that thing that only you can do and give me joy in them. Wouldn't that be a beautiful prayer for you to pray? And I believe that if you do it, and you do it often, that our God who is not stingy will answer it. I had something else prepared, but I'm just going to close this in prayer. Dear God, we are so grateful for the love that you've shown us. who though you were rich, you became poor for our sake by the sending of your son, Jesus Christ, to give us every spiritual blessing in him. And so I pray that the things that we have and the things that we may not have, that we would take ourselves out of that and we would be able to enjoy the blessings that you give us. For this is a gift from God. And I pray that you might bless us. I pray that you may shower us with good things and that you might give us the integrity and righteousness and the fear of the Lord and peace and all of it with it so that we might be sustained in the blessings that you give us and be able to handle it so that we might pour it out to others in love.